Midday 180. Get them at their new time from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now it's time for Blaine and Mickey, powered by the Tennessee Lottery on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. That's the name of the show. That's our names. I don't know if that's irony or what, but there's a guy named Blaine on the show and a guy named Mickey, and that's the name of the show. We're both here, too, and uh, we'll tell you where we are. Uh, we're with our friends at Sudden Service. Love hanging out here, and uh, they're always giving stuff away. These guys are always giving stuff away, Blaine. 2601 Highway 49 East in Pleasant View, Tennessee. It's a time of giving, though, you know? Absolutely. And, and with uh, sudden service, service dude, it seems like they're always giving something away. It's never not Christmas here. Uh, it is the last days, though, of Christmas cash. Sudden service and Coca-Cola giving away 500 bucks three, three times a week. Now through December 23rd, they're still giving the money away. Uh, although you got a couple more days to enter. Just go to any sudden service location. Fill out the registration on the bottom of your receipt. It's that easy. Sudden service has everything you need. Get the holiday get-togethers, roll in two liters of Coca-Cola or buy one, get one. 20-ounce Coca-Cola products, two for three bucks. 12-pack cans or bottles, just eleven ninety-nine. And if you're like Blaine, you wake up at 4.30 or so every day, you need a little monster energy drinks, two for four twenty-five. <laughs> Sudden service convenience stores, fast, friendly, and local. Always We're giving away two, two $500 gift tickets, right? Yeah, yeah. If not, I might mine in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are giving two, though. Not just one, two. Okay. But you got to come by here today. Kirby says today. uh, Blaine's got his personal wallet out. He's dropping $500 (laughs) in the box over there. So uh, you want to win an extra $500, today's your chance. And seriously, this is one of the busier Sudden Services location that we go to. Oh, yeah. And it's huge. And there's a Dunkin' on one side, and there's a Wendy's on the other side. Yeah, I get my protein and my sweets filled (laughs) right here. This sudden service, yeah. There's a whole section of sweet stuff right behind me. There's a whole section of like things that look like honey buns and cake. Ooh, I have no those idea. Are my favorite, you know it. I, yeah, my sweet tooth. Yeah, man. When I get away from uh, you know jail, there. I mean, my home, my home. You know, so I can now go out and uh, get me some you know sweets. I hope she's not listening. No, no. I only said that because I knew she wasn't. <laughs> Uh, the Titans That's my a, wife, by the way. <laughs> Titans get a big win uh, yesterday over the Detroit Lions. Yesterday was Ryan Tannehill's fifth consecutive game with a passer rating over 100. That's the longest active streak in the league. It breaks his own record for the longest streak in Titans history. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry continues to be, I would say, a snow plow because it's December, but it really hasn't snowed yet. He just continues to be a human plow. Uh, 24 for 127 in the game. Blaney also stiff-armed. 127 another. or 147? Oh, one four, was it 147? He also stiff-armed. I, I, well, we guess we keep in track to the, the 2K. So that's why I'm, you know, those 20 yards could make a difference. So I want to make sure we're right on that. 27 or 40. I think it's 47, though. But, you know, I, I've, I tend to, you know, have some boo-boos sometime on those stats. Oh, I, I tend to write <laughs> down the wrong number quite a bit. So uh, you're definitely not alone in that regard. Uh, but Derrick Henry continues to do his thing. Ryan Tannehill as well. Yeah, Derrick Henry, 147. i got to change that, too, to a four. So 24 for 147. That just got way better and a touchdown. He also stiff-armed another human being. Because <laughs> I started thinking, who is this guy? So I start Google searching that game. That was his first game to play in, in the NFL. Well, he had a wel- welcome to the NFL moment. <laughs> That's for sure. Doesn't everybody have one, though? His just happened to be by Derrick Henry 
on national TV. Because everybody, everybody kind of has that welcome to the NFL moment, right? His just happened to be for the whole world to see. Well, I mean, you don't want to welcome to the NFL moment like that, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I, you know, I, I really don't, you know, get really caught up into the straight orb. I mean, everybody gets got, right. you know, let alone somebody's gotten a big shot. Uh, we could talk about the big shot Tannehill threw to Henry when he got hit in the flat, and the guy basically pancaked Henry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Henry got up like, hey, man, you got to throw that sooner. Yeah. Don't do that to <laughs> Right. Again. See, so, I mean, it's the NFL. So I think it's just with social media now, it just takes on to a whole nother world with the straight arm. <laughs> and the guy looked like he was trying to do something because I watched, I went back and watched it like slow-mo. He thought he missed time. He thought Henry was going to straight arm. And he was already, he swiped down. He swiped down first. There was no straight arm. So then he went to to reach. Don't reach. Right. The next move should be, I mistimed that. Now let's go at the knees. Straight down. Mm-hmm. Fast go, as you can go. Go, go, yeah. go at an angle like you can't ever go. Because if not, then Dan, he just pushes your head down and you're in the dirt. That's okay. the worst thing that can happen. But, I mean, <laughs> with that move. But instead, you reached like you had stretch arms, strong arms, you know. And then you went and reached. He said, hey, little guy. Get off me! <laughs> what was what you said when we were in Houston? Shut your mouth! Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what he said. Get off of me! I mean, it's straight on me, and that was, that was pretty bad. His, you know, his feet were crossed. He had no power. And that's how he can get you when you're going at an angle like that. So you got to understand that. you got to have a game plan, especially if you're a corner. Everything is set up in the run game where they're trying to get the corners to have to make those tackles on <laughs> You know, those running backs, those big running backs. You know, that's what they always used to do back in my day and still today. And those guys don't want to tackle Derrick Henry. I mean, this, this guy's a 5, you know, 10, 11 guy, you know, 180-pound guy. He doesn't he want any part of that. So he just needs to just tie his shoestrings and say we live for another down. Yeah. As we saw, you know, the last couple of weeks how guys were approaching Derrick Henry, how to tackle him, and he was going down immediately. Yep. I mean, well, if you're watching tape, you say, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so he didn't take that up, and uh, he got embarrassed, and now he will be on a meme with Derrick Henry all over the place. Man. The, the so, I mean, it just, you know, I, I just, I, I think it takes a world of its own and takes off on social media that's really uh, uncanny, really, to follow. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big uh, follower of all that. I mean, like, it's laughable, but it's like, dang, but the fans just, oh, like, hysterical. I mean, like. That changed, you know, the fans that were at the game, and then after you watch it, he, that got them momentum. That got them jacked up. That got the other players jacked up. Oh, yeah? They got like, oh, yeah, you know, so they start flexing, and we're ready to rock and roll. So, uh, yeah, it got them hyped, man. I've, I've been around you and Kevin Dyson enough because when the stiff arm started happening, you started saying, look, you're, you're coached against it. Like the guy tried to chop, chop it. He, 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 just, he just chopped it nothing. He it, chopped it air. He missed and, because and, he didn't put it out there. Oh, no. To Derrick Henry's credit, he was like, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till you get a little closer so I can get you good. <laughs> but that shows that he's learning. Like, uh-huh. look at that dude. He's trying to chop. Ain't nothing to chop. Nah. Bam. Oh, yep. Now nah, I got you. And he threw that cap. Yeah. He, I mean, he literally, he he lifted him up. I mean, he, he, that was a one-arm bench press right there. <laughs> that was, <laughs> right, Kirby was laughing back there. Yeah, that was a one-arm bench press because he, he went up. Yeah. It, it wasn't like the, the Norman one. He just, you know, pushed him to the side. <laughs> he lifted that guy. That guy had no control. He was like, hey, oh. You know, it's like when you're in that roller coaster and you go down that first hill and you come up out your seat and you go, oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, he had nothing to grab on to. <laughs> nothing to grab on to. <laughs> so he, that's that fear you felt. 
Damn, you got me. Alexander Myers. Uh, the Titans did hit. This this offense, they're now the number one scoring offense in, in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans. And that we, is incredible. That This is awesome. I mean, to watch it. I'm, I'm, I mean, they're going to be the best offense that's ever lived in Titans Euler history. That's what this is going. This is no way around it. Uh, especially if you look at the teams they play. I mean, I think Green Bay's ranked, what, 10th, 11th? They're in the top 15, I think, in total defense. But they're still going to put up at least 300. That's just a given. They're yeah. still going to put up close to 30 or 30 or more. If they don't, they're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, that's, they have to. That's just where we are. Yeah, uh, that's no, just, this is we're we're seeing history right now in front of our face every week. Yeah, it's it's coming to that. So man, it's it's kind of fascinating to watch. And I, I'm enjoying it because everybody loves offense. Even being a defensive guy, I love offense. Wow, you don't have, you don't have to stop it anymore. You can just appreciate it. Yeah, just yeah. appreciate it, man. Like wow, this is this is awesome. But uh, man, mentally as a defense man, if you hold a team that you know maybe 24, you're probably doing a Fairly good job, especially against some of these high potent, you know, offenses with great weapons, by the way, with Corey Davis, Brown, offensive line playing exceptional, even with some of the injuries. And then Derrick Henry and Tannehill's playing at an all time level, man. These guys, they're, they're wow. We, we possibly have 2,000 yard rusher, as we've been talking about, and you as well, and everybody else, and 200, you know, or 1,000 receivers. And Tannehill made what, 4,000? Maybe? Maybe. Wow. That's. Man, this is a different era, man. This is pretty awesome to watch it. And the Hasselbeck, Hasselbeck number from uh, from his best year was like thirty five seventy one, something like that. And that's Tannehill's going to. I don't think he's quite there, but he's going to he's going to get the Titans passing record this yeah, year but, for but, sure. But see, here's why I don't even consider those other passing, even though their numbers count. Why? What was their record? Yeah. See, because maybe you were throwing because you were always behind. They're not behind. They're in games and winning games, and they're at 10, and they have a chance to win 12, 13. Yeah. Well, we got three games left? Got two games left. The two games left. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, right. Green Bay and the Texans. Yeah. Yep. So they can win 12. Man, I mean, so and you're going into the playoffs with a great opportunity to have a playoff game. Oh, man, this is this is exciting to watch. I, I hope everybody's appreciating what they're seeing out here, let alone what they're seeing also defense being what they have to be opportunistic, and get some turnovers. They got three turnovers, uh, really made the difference in the game because they couldn't stop Detroit either, really. I mean, Matthew Stafford, as we said, he's tough as nails, and and he is a phenomenal talent. I mean, he's special. He's special. I I just bought this scenario talking to you. Imagine if he got it because they're talking about Roethlisberger. It may be be done. He'd be going down that road like, ah, it's time to make a change. If he got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, don't even say that because that would be a nightmare. Yeah. That'd be a nightmare. Oh, don't even say. Wow, that. man, Matthew Stafford's really good. Once he got pounced on, though, it, it was over. Like ah, that's enough. Get up, Chase Daniels. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. Come on. You got me. And he came but, out slinging it. Yeah, but he played because he knew his jersey wasn't gonna get dirty. Yeah. Still, not a lot of pressure. So imagine that with Aaron Rodgers. E e. <laughs> maybe we should we should, maybe we should it, stop it's, it's gonna be painful i hope it just windy and <laughs> snowing and, right, let's hope yeah all of that and then henry just run down their throats and they can't even find him in the snow oh let's hope <laughs> uh, eric eager is supposed to join us next from pro football focus we'll get into this with him what in the world can the titans do
with Aaron Rodgers. It is Blaine and Mickey. We are live from Sudden Service in Pleasant View. Come by and see us and win yourself 500 bucks of Christmas cash. One twenty in the afternoon on a beautiful December day. Christmas right around the corner. Santa Claus probably getting the old sled loaded up. December 21st, we are at Sudden Service. Today, uh, Pleasant View. Come by here. You can win 500 bucks. They're giving away, they, I mean, they give away 500 bucks three times a week. They're going to give away an extra 500 today just because you come by here and just because Blaine is here and he's in a given mood. And when Santa Blaine shows up, money starts to flow. When Eric Eager shows up from Pro Football Focus, then the knowledge starts to flow. Uh, at PFF underscore, Eric had him on a couple of weeks ago. It was great stuff. Wanted to get him back on as the Titans continue uh, their season and got a win over the Lions yesterday. So, Eric, let's start with this. Uh, the Titans offense is on a historical run for this franchise right now. Put up 40-plus yesterday. Uh, a running back at the top of his game, a quarterback who seems to be in the perfect system. Uh, Corey Davis surging, A.J. Brown being A.J. Brown. It's a heck of a time to be a Titans offensive football fan right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a far cry. There's 10 wins the first time since 2008. They're probably, you know, a really good chance for their first division title since 2008. There's some similarities there, obviously, with the running game. But they had Chris Johnson and Lendell White uh, back then. And now, you know, they have Derrick Henry kind of doing it by himself. But obviously, I think the big difference in why you know, this Titans team might make some wreak some havoc in the playoffs. Is unlike the 08 group with Kerry Collins, you have Ryan Tannehill, I think, by anybody's, you know, measure, is a top, let's say, six to, to, you know, six to eight quarterback in the NFL, a guy you can really win with. And yesterday, while Henry was great, um, you know, the Lions represented a challenge on the other side of the ball with the way that they could score it. And Tannehill did hit, you know, did his thing as far as being explosive, as far as being efficient, and avoiding mistakes. So is Ryan Tannehill the 2020s Rich Gannon? He's the guy we keep coming up with, or at least me, where it's like a guy who'd been a pretty good quarterback went somewhere and became a great quarterback in a new situation. That's a great one. I mean, Gannon, man, Gannon was around for 10, 12 years before he even had, you know, had that kind of success. Uh, maybe maybe it's even, I mean, this might be a stretch, but maybe it's even Drew Brees, right? I mean, Brees, you know, first team, he got benched for Doug Flutie. He was, you know, they drafted a replacement in the top five. And, you know, he, he proved himself with his first team before going to a second team. But ultimately, you know, that's where he had his career. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, we saw, you know, Mariota have success the other day. It really shows how how much systems matter and how much, you know, for some of these quarterbacks, it just is about not necessarily a good or bad system, but just the right system for them. And you know, we saw Mariota struggle in what I think is a quarterback-friendly system, and you know he'll probably have success with, with Las Vegas, given you know the, the way that's constructed. So it's just a really interesting game. Uh, and insofar as these quarterbacks, obviously, if you're picking the top ten, like those two guys, there's talent, and, and it's just about finding the right fit. Absolutely, Eric Eager, our guest from Pro Football Focus. Well, Eric, uh, man, first and foremost, we have to ask you, how did a Dory Jackson in his first game plan perform based off PFF grading system? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. You know, obviously the Lions were down a player yesterday with Kenny Galladay, who is you know one of the better players uh, in the league. And you know, I think as far as offenses are concerned, it, you know, no offense falls off more uh, than the Lions do without Galladay. Let me look here. We we have uh, you know the grades here on Jackson. Um, so. Yeah, he had a really good game. 80, 88 grade press. He only allowed two catches, 13 yards, three yards yeah, after the catch. So, you know, a pretty good game uh, for him in his first start back. Yeah, and he was a part-time player. But, uh, you know, someone who's been playing, and that's Bayard uh, in the secondary. I'm interested to see how he graded out because I know he got his first pick and he had some really good defensive plays on uh, the tight end there, TJ. Uh, but uh, he also blew a coverage, and I don't know how you – how do you guys grade that part of a player? Because not knowing what the actual call is, do you guys, you know, I guess, fit that into your grading system? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, the buyer just was actually the, the top-graded player. Um, he had, you know, seven tackles, one stop. They targeted him three times, no completions. He had an interception. That was a pretty good um, game. I mean, we do downgrade somebody when they blow a coverage, even if the ball isn't completed on them, because obviously – you know, you want you obviously want to reward players who don't blow coverages and, you know, be on the lookout for players that do. But he had a pretty good game yesterday, all told. Didn't miss a tackle uh, the entire game. So just, you know, an all-around solid player. As you said, Jackson, I mean, he only played 28 snaps. The buyer played 66. That's sort of, uh, I think, a little bit bigger of a sample and probably why he, he earned the top grade among the defenders. I have to ask you, I know he wasn't on our team, but, man, I really appreciate you know, the play of Stafford, and I think he's underappreciated in the National Football League just because of the team and the organization that he plays for. But how did he grade out? And I know, and how has he graded out typically throughout this season? Because uh, they throw the ball a lot, and he completed a lot of balls naturally against the Titans secondary with no pressure, of course. Well, that's the thing. So he got like a, he got an above average grade for us um, yesterday at 73. He was, you know, down the field, he was very efficient. He was three for five throwing the ball over 20 yards downfield. Um, however, I mean, it's an interesting uh, thing. I mean, when, when not blitzed yesterday, Stafford had a 92 grade for us in nine yards for pass attempt. With no pressure, he had a 9.6 yards for pass attempt. The Titans were able to get pressure on him on 12 of the 34 dropbacks, um, and he only averaged 4.1 yard, yards for pass attempt. And when they blitzed him, they blitzed him nine times. He was just three of nine uh, for 47 yards. So that, that was pretty effective when they brought pressure um, yesterday. Um, you know, yeah, Stafford's a good quarterback. You know, the issue is, is he's not an elite guy in the sense of you take away weapons, you take away offensive line, you, you perturb the offensive coordinator, and then he's still amazing, right? There's only a handful of guys who are like that. Stafford's in sort of that next group, I think, with Tannehill, where it's very dependent upon having weapons and very dependent upon how good the schemer is. Um, and I think Stafford, you know, when healthy uh, and with the right scheme, uh, he can be a great football player. Without, it's, it's touch and go. Uh, how would he fit in a team, this is hypothetically, Stafford with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm predicting a wow, trade to him next so, year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, the thing is, we've seen Stafford in those different teams, right? With with uh, with Galladay healthy most of last year and with Bevel calling the play, Stafford was very much a down-the-field thrower. Um, with When... Early in his career, you know, let's say 2011, 2012, 
he was more of an underneath guy uh, that threw a lot of passes, right? And that's really more of what the Steelers like to deploy, right? They like to throw the ball, you know, you know, with low average depth of target. They like to make guys run after the catcher. Stafford has shown the ability to be more accurate with those uh, and to be effective. Now, it required a coordinator change. 2015, they went to Jim Bob Cooter. That kind of <laughs> elevated him for a little bit um, before he regressed again. Um, you know, so I don't know. It, it's weird. These, these, these things, like coordinator changes tend to help Stafford for a period of time, and then they sort of get stale. So I'm not sure uh, how you do in Pittsburgh. Probably pretty well, given the amount of talent they have on the outside with Johnson, uh, Smith-Schuster, Washington, uh, and, and obviously Claypool. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Johnson, by the way, too. We're on with Eric Eager with uh, PFF. Eric, it's interesting when you're talking about, like, the Titans blitzed and, you know, they got, what did you say, they got pressure on 12 of 36 dropbacks, something like that. And we're literally we're sitting here thinking, really, on 12? I mean, th- this pass rush has struggled this year. It's no secret. They have 14 sacks in 14 games. Just how bad are the grades uh, for this Titans team in pass rush right now? Uh, they're not great. So let me look in here. They have the Titans have the 29th best pass rushing grade by us. The only team's worse. Uh, Cincinnati, we're going to see tonight. The Vikings, who are without Danelle Hunter and also uh, traded four and then traded Yannick Ngakwe in five games worth. Um, and then Seattle, who is, you know, Seattle's actually emerging a little bit with the acquisition of Dunlap. Um, and, and Jamal Adams, you know, in the blitzing game, he's been out for most of the year. So Tennessee's 29th. Um, you know, all the defenses that are sort of around them have struggled. Um, but, you know, it's not one of those things where you can't win without this kind of pass. I mean, Kansas City's 24th, Baltimore's 24th, um, the Raiders, who are 527th, and Seattle's 30th. So you can win without a pass. Rush. It just makes it a lot harder. I think in the coming game, though, the funny thing, I was talking this over with my colleague, Sunday night against Green Bay, I don't care if you're like the, you know, 1985 Bears or you're the 02 Buccaneers. No one gets pressure on the, on the Green Bay Packers. So I feel like somebody, I feel like we're overrating how like much them not having a pass rush will hurt them because really, you know, against Green Bay, they protect so well. Bakhtiari is so good. They, they uh, Eric McCoy is such a good interior lineman. They, they protect against everybody and it's sort of, it's can you cover, can you hold on for dear life, or I think more appropriately, can you score with them on the other side of the ball? That's going to be the difference in the Green Bay game. Well, surely the addition of Adoree Jackson, as we started off the interview talking about him today, if, if coverage really is the key for those guys, then getting him back is only going to help this team in, in the effort of you don't stop the Packers, of just trying to stop them you know, and, and negate a couple of possessions for them to give you a chance to hopefully outscore them. Absolutely, and I and I think that you know that's how they they won in the playoffs. You know, it, well, New England's offense was stunted enough where they could stop them, but in, in the in the divisional round, you know, they got a couple stops. You know, Baltimore went, turned it over on fourth down a couple times, and they took advantage of it against Kansas City. It was the same thing; they got a ten point lead because the Chiefs went three and out on their first drive. Uh, you know, and and that's really what they're going to have to do. I mean, the the goal for a Titans defense should be, and it's the same thing for Kansas City, it's the same thing for Buffalo, get three stops a game. If you get three stops a game, the offense should be able to put up enough points, right? You put the, the ball in the offensive court there. That, that to me, if you're, if you're a Titans fan and you're worried about the defense, to me, I think the reassuring thing is really the, the bar is get three stops a game. That's it. And, and, and the offense should be able to score enough points and score in the red zone enough uh, to win a football game if you can get a few stops. 
On with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric to get uh, all the great knowledge he's dropping on Twitter. Well, Eric, I'm going to go to college, so uh, make sure you put your college hat on. If you were grading out the guys now at this point in college with a lot of guys uh, opting out and seasons are over and not playing in bowl games, who are the, like, top, I don't know, three to five defensive defensive ends and outside linebackers uh, that you think can have immediate impact in the National Football League? Oh man, see this is this is uh I haven't even I haven't even started my uh my, my so I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> defer to I'm gonna defer to my friend Mike Granner who's our our sort of uh, expert here. I I know you know Quiddy Pay is somebody who you know there wasn't much of a uh, a, a track record before this year in Michigan. Um, oh but okay. He, I mean he yeah he he's one of those six foot four, two hundred seventy two pounds is really you know, uh, made a name for himself this year. I mean, we have him mocked as a top-ten pick. Uh, obviously, that wouldn't be something the Titans get, um, you know, in, until he, you know, unless they trade it up. There's one that I think might be a value for them, which is Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. He opted out this year, um, and there's going to be question marks with him because he only had, like, half of a good season, right? But you look at him, he's, he's like clowny-like physically, six foot seven, 265 pounds. Um, you know, has done a decent amount on the inside and on the outside uh, as a pass rusher, which I know Brable likes to deploy. So he's another name. Uh, Jason Oway from, from Penn State's another one. Um, you know, he's more of a smaller guy. But he's a sub-4, 440, um, which, you know, uh, th- those players, you know, if you're just looking for a pure pass rusher, uh, that that's the guy, obviously, to look at. And, you know, there's, there's an interior guy named Christian Barmore from Alabama who uh, has really done uh, pretty well this year. Um, but he, you know, he does have a knee injury, uh, you know, that he played through. So, so those are some guys. There, there's not a, there's not uh, a lack of talent in this draft. And given, you know, the Titans, the Titans are a team without a ton of need. Um, you know, pass rusher is one of them. In a, in a draft where there's going to be probably three or four quarterbacks taken in the top 15, you're a team that doesn't need a quarterback. That is immensely helpful because you're going to get a player that the other teams don't go for because they get a quarterback, and that's going to be a value. Well, I guess what's going to be, I guess, the strength of this draft with, you know, more players in a position? Do you know that information yet? Yeah, I think wide receiver is again. Okay. So last season wide receiver was like the, you know, every single year. Right. And I think part of it is we're getting better at evaluating wide receivers. The other thing is that, as you guys are finding out in Tennessee, a wide receiver doesn't have to be Randy Moss right away to have success, right? Like, I, I know, Blaine, you played with Kevin Dyson, right? He was always, like, yes. given, like, he was always, people thought he was a bust because he wasn't Randy Moss. So it's like, no one's going to be Randy Moss, right? Dyson right. was an effective player. And nowadays when you're playing, so back then when you had two wide receivers on the team most of the time, or on the field most of the time, both guys had to be complete, right? Now you have three, four guys on the field all the time, and each guy can kind of complement the others, right? You don't have to be a perfect wide receiver mm-hmm. out of the gate to, to have an impact. And we've seen that with Corey Davis right now. He's finding his niche. He's extremely effective, even though I think most would consider him a bust. Um, so when you look, I mean, you have you have the, you know, sort of like the, the elite-level talent, the guys like uh, Jamar Chase uh, of LSU, even like Kyle Pitts out of Florida is, you know, more or less a wide receiver, obviously. But now you have the Devontae Smith, um, you have the Jalen Waddles of the world. You have, you know, those guys, you know, they would historically be overlooked because of, you know, for example, Smith's size. 
Um, but I think now when, when you sort of look at the modern offense, the modern offense is about guys who get open. Uh, and, those, you know, him, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore as well. But those guys all can get open, and it makes life so much easier on a quarterback where you don't have to worry about throwing contested balls. Well, I guess lastly for me, real quick, you got to put on your hat from last season, I think. I want to ask about Clay Matthews. He, he was, uh, you know, trolling the Titans here uh, <laughs> yesterday <laughs> and today. Uh, so what was his production like even last year? And, and could a guy like that potentially help out a, a desperate Titans pass rush team, uh, you know, right now? So I'll say this. He was hurt for a decent amount of the year. I think he was productive from a sack standpoint, from not a pressure standpoint. I know which we talked about a couple weeks ago. So last year he had he had 42 pressures, which he rushed the passer on 292 attempts. So, you know, a little bit, you know, not the greatest, but kind of an average pass rush. Um, but he did, he was involved in eight sacks, which certainly helps. But, um, you know, the, the funny thing about pass rushers, you look around the league, the guys age really well. Like, who was on the Chiefs yeah. last year? Who was on the field during fourth down against the Niners? Terrell Suggs was on the field, right? Uh, you know, Dwight Freeney played for Detroit and for Arizona. Like, he hung on for all those years. Uh, you know, they, some of these guys, you know, especially given, you know, the way in which, like, you can just, like, shuffle them in on third, third downs now. Like, I think he can help the Titans. Uh, I don't think he's going to be amazing. And I, and I honestly don't think you needed to have him for the entire year for him to make an impact. Like, this is a guy you can sign right now, a la Terrell Suggs last year for Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, cool. We're on with Eric Eager uh, of PFF. Hey, Eric, uh, I, I don't believe that players ever would tank anything. So whenever we hear about tanking, it's players to me and coaches maybe getting put in bad situations personnel-wise or whatever the case may be. But we see the Jets go and they beat the Rams yesterday, and it looks like they've screwed themselves out of Trevor Lawrence, right? Because according to most metrics, the Jags will probably, I say, win out by losing out. Uh, and they will then get the first uh, the first crack at the draft, right, at Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, and I think indirectly that loss hurts the Titans a little bit too, or that win by the Jets hurts the Titans a little bit because now I don't think there's really a way that the Colts lose to, or lose to the Jags in Week 17, right? So if you want to win the AFC South, you either need uh, the Colts to lose to the Pittsburgh or to win out, which, you know, given Green Bay as an opponent is not trivial at all. Um I don't think players tank. Football's too hard to tank. And I, you know, I played in college. I played on an 0 11 team one year in college, a transition year. And, you you know, you try hard, right? You, you get that you're not very good, but you play hard because your tape is your resume, right? And, and, you know, and I think that that's kind of what we saw yesterday. The Rams coming off of, they were coming off a Thursday night game. They had 10 days rest. They're at home. They had everything to play for. They're in the division league. They went from being, basically a two-thirds chance to win the NFC West to a one-third chance to win the NFC West with that loss. So that was a meaningful game for the other team, too. So it wasn't really a fluke, and the Jets kind of outplayed them the entire game. Uh, so, you know, that's really the risk you run. And, and honestly, this is where I think the tanking thing comes into play. Gase is not the, co- Gase is not the coach of the Jets moving forward. He's the coach of the Jets today. And yeah. so there's really no incentive for him to tank either. Because he's trying, he's basically coaching for his next job. Last year in Miami, like the, granted, they won the five games, so it's sort of a bad comparison. But it's like that if you're going to lose games on purpose, the coaches and the and the personnel directors 
have to be on board because the players will not be on board, as they right. shouldn't be. I mean, football is too violent of a game to play anything less than 100%. Eric, we're low on time, but should the Eagles have gone to Jalen Hurts sooner? Because, man, that finish of the game yesterday was fantastic, and they won the one the previous week. Should they have made that switch sooner? Yeah, I, mean, I for the... I think for the entertainment value of the NFC East, I think uh, for the, you know, obviously how good he is. I mean, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense that Carson Wentz is afraid of him because he's awesome, right? Like, he's just a baller. And, you know, he reminds me of Deshaun Watson. I mean, somebody who was a winner in college. People thought he was too slow of a processor. People didn't like his arm strength. And, you know, honestly, there's just sometimes a quarterback, when they have it between the ears, some of those things matter a lot less than people think. Yeah, I think I might take Deshaun Watson over anybody at this point. Eric, great stuff, man. At PFF underscore Eric, if people want to follow Eric Eager and uh, anywhere uh, pro football focus, you can find it always interesting and great great information. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. Eric Eager, pro football focus. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday in the postgame. Where all did Adoree Jackson play? Pro football focus had the breakdown. I got it. And, and Blaine went back and watched some of that. We'll get into that. I also have a quote from him after the game I want to read that's uh, coming up next on Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone Live from Sudden Service in Pleasant View. Blaine and Mickey Sudden Service is where we're hanging out today in Pleasant View. Love to come here and see everybody. And for everybody who comes in and says hello to us, you can come by and we'll tell you happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Got the big week coming up here for everybody. So we're excited about it. Excited to be here today. They're giving away money, 500 bucks uh, today. They're already giving away 500 bucks uh, three times a week, but they're going to give away an extra 500 today. When you come in, you'll see the spot where you can sign up. Uh, it's a box and a basket, and they're ready to take your name and ready for you to get some cashola here. Blaine and Mickey will be here. 3HL will be here after us today. So big 3HL and Blaine and Mickey presence uh, at a place that we like to come to. And, again, this is one of the busier gas stations, but it's a big place. they got tons of products. All the stuff that Blaine and I like to eat when we go on these remotes, yep. this place is literally packed with everything that you would want to eat oh, in yeah. your car while you're driving somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, especially with my sweet tooth there with Dunkin' Donuts as well as Wendy's, right? Yeah. Oh, it's all here. I'm getting it all in, man. Mm-hmm. Two to... for one, sweets and protein. <laughs> well, yeah, right. That, that's the way you do it. <laughs> uh, also, want to announce this. I've been talking about this forever. My friends at Mr. Good Roof, they give away a, a, a roof every year around this time. Shingle Bell's Christmas giveaway. And I promised I would read the name. And here is the name. Winona Mandrell. Right. <laughs> the greatest country you, you are you serious the man? greatest country singer uh, name in history me, man. You, are you serious Winona Mandrell of Gallatin <laughs> Tennessee is the recipient of this year's Mr. Goodroof Shingle Bells oh, Roof giveaway so if you see her hey tell her that that's the most incredible name that we have ever heard of in our life Winona Mandrell uh which is just amazing oh, but man. she is the recipient of the roof from our friends at Mr. Goodroof so congratulations and again if I'm a country radio executive or from a record label, I'm rushing right now to Gallatin to sign that woman because you could sell records just with that name for sure. We had this discussion yesterday. Where all did Adoree Jackson play? And I told Blaine and Dice because I'm like, first third down, Mike, I heard Mike Keith say, Adoree Jackson's in the game. I'm like, oh, Adoree Jackson. And then it seemed to be like that on third downs. And then I was charting, and the fourth 
possession for Detroit, he came in, just came in to start that and he series. Stayed. He, he came, stayed in as a starter. He came in and he stayed in. Mm-hmm. So John Glennon is really good. By the way, John Glennon has a really interesting tweet on his timeline from Clay Matthews, who we talked about in the postgame yesterday. Where yeah, I'm like, well, you brought him up. I said, who's out there? Clay Matthews. So we asked the pro football focus guy, Eric Eager. But anyway, I retweeted it. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting way to say, call me Titans. I'm available. I can, I can help you. I can help you. Maybe on a limited basis, yes. but I can help you. It is a very interesting, interesting way of saying it. But, hey, man, that guy on third down and eight, would you feel better with that situation than maybe what you've what you've been throwing out there? Well, that's why I was asking Eager, you know, with PFF, like how much did he contribute last year? Uh, you know, I, I don't watch Clay Matthews, so I don't even what, – what team was he even on last year? I know a lot of people going to remember when he was with Green Bay. Rams. That's not who he was with last season. Yep. Uh, he was a part-time player. I forgot with which team. With and the Rams. With yep. the Rams. So, obviously, you know, when you're a part-time guy, you're worried about when you get up there in age, you know, hammies and everything else, make sure he gets out there because he's got some special talent rushing the passers, even still today at his, you know, his ripe age of probably 33 or something, whatever he is. So, uh, yeah, Isn't it you know, funny you have to say he, that like it's old. Yeah, he's yeah, like 33. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I retired at 33, so that was kind of, kind of interesting that I said he's at the right end. But he said the defensive ends, outside linebackers, the rush to passer, end up playing for a long time because it's an art to actually pass rushing. It's not just about speed. So when he talks about the speed, you know, it's always kind of interesting because you talk about the 40, the long speed. Well, at the end of the day, for the pass rushers, it's always about that first 10 yards. Right. Because that's their get-off, and then they're set up to the moves, and then that takes into your skill set and your techniques of how to rush a passer. So I think it's more of an art than someone who has all this phenomenal talent and speed. Big Beasley is one of the fastest players at his position, yeah. but he wasn't a phenomenal pass rusher. He didn't have any of those things. Uh, and he went first round just like Clowney, who's never been known for a pass rusher, more for a disruptor and a run stopper. Uh, so I, I think it's more to it than that. I, I think you, you kind of have to learn along the way. And you continue to grow in those moves and setting, you know, and, and counteracting all kind of moves. It's no different than playing any position. Right. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. can he help? I, I think he could in a part-time basis, yeah. I, maybe he could get pressure one time more than we have, and guess what? That one time could be the difference in the game. Yeah. That one play. And the pro football focus guy talking about just – when they got any pressure, and even when they blitzed yesterday against Matthew Stafford, the numbers were shockingly better. Different. Shockingly better. Shockingly different. Uh, Dory Jackson, this is from Pro Football Focus via John Glennon. He, this, is, this, this is exactly how it's described. He played wide corner, 17 snaps. He played slot, 8. He played in the box, 3, is the way it was, is the way it was regurgitated on Twitter by John Glennon. It said, I, I copied it, wide corner 17, slot 8, in the box 3. That was his day. Yeah. Let, let's try not to be football terminology. We're trying to help everybody out. He played, let's say why is he played left corner. Yeah. If we, everybody know where the left is in, in <laughs> corner. I mean, let's, let's see, that's what happens. Some of, the, some of these guys don't know Y, X, or Z. Right. So we got to talk to them like they don't know that. So he played outside, and he played the slot, I think, 8. You said 8? Mm-hmm. He played the slot nickel spot eight reps, yep. and then in the box. I'm, I'm a little confused what he means in the box. Like, you know, where, where was that? To me, there's only you either nickel or you the dime uh, or, or, you know, which is more on the tight end side. I did see him line up on uh, T. 
DJ Hawkerson uh, uh, one time. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Because, you know, nickel, dime, you really you're in for linebackers. That's right. what you're in for. The weak side linebacker is the nickel. The strong side linebacker is the dime. Mm -hmm. So you are coming in for linebackers. Uh, so just to really you – know, so he was in the box. But what I thought was actually happening, I thought uh, to make it easy for me to understand is that I thought Butler was lining up always on the side of Jones. Mm -hmm. And whether he was on the outside or inside, Butler was still on the outside even if the guy was – he was always going to his side. Mm -hmm. So something about where he lined up dictated where Butler would go, whether he was in front of him or he wasn't. He always was on that same side where he's lined up because they did a lot of bunch formations, which is like three, three or four wide receivers together. He was still on that side. If they went to the other side, then he'd go to that side. Uh, so, and even if it was zone or man, mm -hmm. so they couldn't really tell if it was playing man or not. Uh, that's what I saw. So I never saw a Dory actually on the side of Jones. Uh, I did see him in the slot. I think it was more about formation, dictation. They dictated where he lined up to me. Uh, more so than left, right. It's not never easy as comp. It's a little more complex than just saying he was playing in those spots. There was a reason why. It's because I'm like, okay, well, where was King? Did right. King come out? Maybe he did. Or they start feeling more comfortable. That's why they said, hey, just stay out there. You start this series, you know, based off of what Adore probably was telling them. I'm feeling pretty good. I think I can go, go some series and see how it goes. So then they said, okay, Ty Smith, you're out. Right. All right, but before that, it could have been King or somebody else because Ty Smith was playing fairly well, you know, coming into the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so then Adoree stayed out there and got some reps in and played about half the game. And they didn't put too much wear and tear on him. Get to see today how he woke up and felt right. two days later. Everybody said, well, what about the first day? Well, the first day could give you a little bit. But that two days later going to really tell you, you know, hey, maybe the knee ballooned up. Maybe you have any issues and you're just icing just to manage it and say, hey, we continue down this path. Maybe I miss one practice mm -hmm. just to make sure I'm strong, but right. you know, get some movement around here, doing some drills. But hey, he looked pretty solid. I, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see anything from a TV copy. I'm just excited that he was out there. And I, here's the one part that I undervalue. I think it breeds confidence in other players in the secondary because you know they they happy to see. One of your guys yeah. back out here because you ain't seen him all year. Right. It makes a difference. So did that help with pressure? Did that help with coverage? Did that help with feeling comfortable with your guys out there? Like, did that help Byard, who played probably, you know, PFF grade, his best of the season? By far. Well, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, so I've always said that impacts you as a safety. Yep. Uh, but, you know, people, you know, underestimate that whole process because it's about chemistry and trust. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, I thought they, they played solid, even without pass rush. So they, they, they're growing, but are they there yet? No, but they created turnover. So they can do that. That's what they did last season. If Dory stays healthy, man, they, now you got a decent group in the secondary and depth. Uh, is a little concerned with his sickness, yeah. uh, but you got Hooker who's probably ready to be a starter. But you still want depth and you still want all your pieces to the puzzle, especially if you don't have a pass rush. What did Dory say about having full confidence in his movement and ability? We'll share that with you as we start the 2 o'clock hour. Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone.